even though we like to idealize art and creativity and inspiration as something that just comes to you naturally and in any given moment you know you have to really work it out like a muscle and sometimes you can work it out too hard it's like any skill or any job you have to really pace yourself listening to Let It Out with me. I'm Katie, your host. This week, I spoke to singer-songwriter Dana Williams about her career in music, poetry, songwriting, how she's prioritizing community, her new holiday album. I had never met Dana before, but I really enjoyed talking to her. She was really sweet, and she's an extremely talented musician. Her music's been featured in the Oscar-winning film Whiplash, and she's collaborated with tons of artists, and we talk a bit about collaboration in this episode, as well as her habits and routines, navigating grief, change, what she's been learning lately, and how gentleness helps with creativity. I want to get to that as soon as possible, but I just have a couple announcements. We're going to go on a break, a very brief two-week break in this podcast, and that's not until the week after next. So one last new episode next week, and it's a real delight of an episode. It's really happy. It's really funny. I'll tell you who's coming up on the show at the end of this week's episode, so stick around for that. And I'm so glad you're here. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you've been listening, you know that last week on the podcast, I mentioned the last couple of weeks, actually, that the Write Kit, my self-study journaling and writing workshop was 50% off for the month of October. But I got quite a few messages about the Write Kit and I realized that people might not even know what it is. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about about it and also extend the 50% off for another week. So if you still want to get it, just use the code NOVEMBER and that will make it 50% off now. So I made the right kit at the beginning of COVID because, or I started making it then because I find that I don't really know what I'm thinking unless I'm writing. And For nearly a decade, writing has been my most consistent and useful self-care routine. I even published a book about the topic, which is an interactive guide to journaling, also called Let It Out, the name of the show. And I've taught workshops from everywhere, from New York to Berlin to here in California. And when I couldn't do that at the beginning of COVID, I put everything I did in these workshops and updated content from my book, which came out in 2016, and put it into this self-study workshop. Because what I love most about journaling and writing for emotional wellness is how accessible it is. It's free, it's simple, it can be done anywhere, anytime, and this guides you through it. You know, it's really been my greatest tool for developing self-awareness. So this has a ton of prompts, internal journaling, external journaling, productivity, organization, 
writing for creativity, esoteric journaling, so that's about dreams and manifestation, journaling for gratitude and joy, and there's a bonus chapter on writing to share. So this includes information that I've learned about pitching and publishing and rejection and editing and a conversation with a professional writer who's been a guest on the show. So if you want to learn more about that and use the discount, the link will be in the show notes. And I'm so happy you're here. Here's my conversation with Dana Williams. I'm really excited to learn more about you and and hang out. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be a part of your podcast. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. So I read you grew up between New York and LA and having lived in both cities as an adult myself, I notice how different they are from each other. Not just the difference in weather, but difference in culture in the two cities. Did you feel their differences growing up? And what was it like going back and forth? Growing up, I was like extremely adaptable. And I think that I loved LA. I love New York. Once I once I got into the rhythm of, of New York and being a part of New York City, I loved it. And there was so much freedom, especially as a young person. Like I never knew how to drive. So I would walk everywhere and it gives you a sense of independence. Whereas when you're living in yeah. Los Angeles, you have to ask your parents to drive you everywhere. And it's a whole like, you know, working around everyone else's schedule and finding rides places. So yeah, I think that the independence, it definitely, New York definitely cultivates like a very independent person. Now, when I go back, I mean, I I got really, really into New York for many years. And I was one of those people who was like, New York's the best city in the world. And why would anyone want to live anywhere else? It's the center of the world pretty much. But I've been in LA for quite some time now, and I really understand the pace and I feel like I've settled into the the LA pace. Now, not to say that I don't um, enjoy New York anymore. I love visiting, but I definitely feel at home here and, and relaxed. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm just like having this aha moment of what I'd heard. So I grew up in the Midwest and I remember like reading stories about kids who grew up in cities and just being so enamored with that and fully not understanding what that must be like. But essentially it's independence, which is really cool. And I always wanted to live there. And I still believe it's the greatest city in the world. But hearing people talk about the pace is different in LA and a lot of people move here and then actually experiencing it. Since I moved in the pandemic, I'm having trouble uncoupling. Like, Is it the pandemic that makes the pace different here? Or is it just this place? But I guess that's something... I've, I had heard so much that it was that there is a different pace here. And it's true. You know, I think it's probably a little bit of both in my case, but it's yeah. easier to live here. It's just so much. Yeah. There, there's something about it that there's, you know, I, I'm so happy that I had the time I did in New York, but it's, yeah, it's intense. <laughs> yeah. It's really intense. I do feel like it takes a minute to readjust to New York where now when I go back to New York, it's very clear that I'm not a New Yorker and I get like shoved around a lot. And I'm like, 
you know, the personal space, there's no personal space, you know, people like strangers are just grabbing you and you're like, that doesn't happen here. I'm never coming into contact, such close contact with people in LA, the way that I, the, the way that you do in New York. So it's just a completely different mentality. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to walk with a purpose. If you don't walk with a purpose, like I tend to walk aimlessly, I guess I look like I'm lost half the time. People get annoyed. Yeah. How did each influence you musically? I got really into jazz while I was living in New York. Also, I feel like everyone who grows up in New York, I mean, this is a broad, very broad statement, but I feel like everyone who grows up in New York has like a Lou Reed phase. Whereas like, I don't know if my friends in LA were listening to Lou Reed during like high school, but I definitely got really into jazz and it was just such a a luxury to have so many jazz clubs at my disposal. So I would go like, I remember, I mean, it's closed now, but I, you know, back in the day I would go and just like sit in on, play a few songs at the Lennox lounge when I was feeling like it. And it was just so such a casual thing. Whereas in LA, it's like, you have to become a part of the circuit to book a show and it's very competitive. So yeah, that's one thing that I really appreciated about New York was just there was like jazz at any given night. And if you wanted, you could just perform. And so that was a big influence on me because there was just so much jazz was just so available and it was so available to me. I would say LA, I definitely got really into doing sessions in LA and recording. And I would say it's more a contemporary music scene. It both obviously exists on both coasts, but in LA, I'm definitely more influenced by like pop and R&B music. And my dad was a musician, so we were always writing together. And so I had music wherever I went, but it was just stylistically a little bit different. Mm, Yeah. It sounds like New York was a a great place to to start and come up and figure out your influences. And it's reminding me of comedians, how they can just, you know, go up somewhere in New York for the night and and develop the craft. That sounds like that would be really influential. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a good point. It is, I guess it is quite similar and yeah, it just practice some songs at home and then, you know, just go to a, a club and say like, Oh, can I play good morning heartache? You know? And it was fine. It was always fine. You know, you just had to know what key that you wanted everyone to play it in or else they'd get really angry at you. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned your dad was a musician and I think I read he played with Michael Jackson and toured when you were a kid. What was what was that like and what was his influence on you other than teaching you the logistics of writing songs? For me, growing up, I feel like I took it for granted in a way because I didn't know that it was such a big deal or you know that my dad was touring with Michael Jackson and it was just kind of like normal very normalized to me but it really inspired me to become a musician you know like I saw how I loved going to my dad's rehearsals and to his sessions and then seeing him live like it was just so exciting for me always and so I knew from a very young age I wanted to be a musician a songwriter to some capacity and so, yeah, that definitely inspired me to to pursue music professionally. And your mom and grandma were also musicians? My maternal grandma was a jazz singer. And actually, it was her 90th birthday at the end of September. And she Aww. always would say, before I go, let's sing a duet. So I actually brought my recording equipment to her place back east. And we recorded 
a little duet of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, which was that's really- so special. Yeah. And I had it put onto a CD for her so she can listen to it. So that Aww. was really, really nice and fun because she used to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow to me before bed. So it's like a, it's very nostalgic song for me. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so sweet. What a thoughtful gift for her. I love yeah. that. I'm happy I was able to do it. Yeah. It's a nice little memento that I'll have. Yeah. So you, you grew up in this musical family and so you knew from a young age that you wanted to pursue music. And then I think in fourth grade, you appeared with Jay-Z. What was that experience like? Was that one of the first validating momentum for the career that you would have? I don't know how validating it was because I was so young. And I think that was like, that was Jay-Z's first televised performance. He was very up and coming at that point. I had an aunt who was doing PR for him, I guess. And she was just like, oh, this rapper, he's going to be the next big thing. And he needs kids to like sing. It's a hard knock life on the Chris Rock show. Do you guys want to do it? And we were just like, okay, yeah, I love Annie, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was, yeah, it was really, it was really cool. It's really cool looking back on it now because obviously, I mean, now he's Jay-Z and he's such an icon and it's interesting to see how those things happen. Yeah, to be part of something is cool, but that wasn't necessarily you're like, you know, sharing notes with him and going over songs you were writing, but it's still really cool that you, you know, got to do that. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. And I always, it's always funny when someone digs up the footage, you know, because it was, it, I don't know, it just, I feel like it all happened so quickly. And at that phase, I was having like my FUBU phase. So my sister and I were like, head to toe dressed in fubu singing and it was yeah it's just such a sweet memory <laughs> so sweet have you met him or seen him since no i don't think so <laughs> well someday when you do who knows it'll probably come f- full circle and you'll be able to tell him that you were one of those kids <laughs> i know <laughs> i read that you studied poetry and creative writing at sarah lawrence did you know that you wanted to go into studying writing at that time? Were you also writing songs by then? And how did that impact your songwriting? I've always been a very introverted person. And I just felt like it's always been easier for me to express myself in writing. I've always had little notebooks of poetry ever since I was little. And I decided when I went to college, you know, you you have to choose a major. I just knew I was going to go for writing for creative writing and yeah so I always wanted to be a poet really and then I just sort of took what I learned and started applying it to my songwriting really I've always loved writing lyrics and poems what was college like for you were you performing and making music and collaborating while you were in school I was actually, as I said, I've always been very introverted and shy. So I wasn't playing very many shows. I was like going, you know, I would do, I would go to the Lennox Lounge and play some jazz, but like I wouldn't tell anybody. So I always knew I wanted to be a songwriter to some capacity. I didn't know if I was able to be actually a performer because I'm, I'm so shy, but I was still going to the studio on the weekends or school nights and writing and singing backgrounds. I remember in my freshman year of high school, or I mean, freshman year of college, I got my first like cut on a Cassidy album that I like sang backgrounds on. And 
I was sort of performing. I was definitely collaborating. I was writing, but I was also really focused on my education at that point. So it wasn't until I graduated that I started releasing my own music and performing around locally. Did you consider not going to school and just pursuing music or did you always know that you wanted to finish school? No, I I always wanted to go to school. I really enjoyed school and I thought that maybe I would study poetry and become a professor, you know? And then when I kind of got to the end of my education, I was like, who am I kidding? I can't be a professor. I mean, I could at any point become a professor, but, you know, I really live for music. So I felt like I just had to really go for it. And that was really what I what I set out to do. But uh, yeah, I really, I did want to do, I did want to finish my education. I really enjoyed school. Yeah. I'm curious. So, so after school, you start performing and, and, and touring and you, you know, your music's been featured in an Oscar women winning film and you've, you know, had so much success in, in collaboration. And where are you now? You know, what are some of your creative habits and routines that sustain you and especially you know i'm curious in these last what is it year 16 months of of quarantine and were you mostly in la when covid hit yeah i was mostly in la i stayed pretty active creatively the only thing that really changed about my routine was that i started exercising regularly because i wasn't like expelling expending that much energy. You know, I was just like sitting at home all day. So I was just like, okay, if I need to, I need a little bit of like physical activity to have some sort of release, you know, but other than that, I've, I got really into the groove of having zoom sessions, which originally seemed very weird and awkward and stale because you're not in the room. Like there's such an energy that comes with being in the studio with someone writing with them. But I really feel like I've adapted to Zoom sessions. Of course, now I'm doing both, but I'm not, I'm not against them. I do think that Zoom sessions serve their purpose and it also makes it, it enables you to be able to collaborate with someone who's on the other side of the country or the world, you know, during quarantine, I was still doing sessions and still writing and putting out music. And yeah, so that's how I spent my quarantine, though I did spend quite a bit of it on the East Coast. My mom moved back east, so I've been spending time there, which is really nice because after being in an apartment for a year in LA, it was really, really nice to to get a change of scenery and to have different seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you think that like a habit that you picked up that you'll keep? Is there anything that you'll miss from that time? I'm definitely continuing exercising. I think it's good for my mental health to stay physically active. And I am very much a homebody. So I don't mind staying home. (laughs) It gave me more time to think about my plan and my writing. And I mean, every now and then I do miss, there was no pressure to socialize, but I also do now that things are opening back up, I'm extremely grateful to have human interaction and and I value I value it so much more, even though I am quite an introvert. Yeah. What are your writing practices and, and habits? Do you 
keep notes in your phone? Do you use the voice memos? Where do you mostly get your ideas? Has that evolved? I have like hundreds of voice memos, really, because sometimes, you know, when you have a session or if I have a co-write, I come in and I go through them and listen to my ideas. And I do have have so many notes of just like lyrics or concepts or something that I'm thinking about going through and I'll write it down quickly in my notes. And they come to me really at random. I get a lot of ideas when I'm sitting in traffic and for better or worse, because it's like, not always the best time to record ideas while you're Dangerous. driving. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, oh, I'll wait till I park. Hopefully I'll still remember it. That's pretty much it. I think there was a period of time before quarantine where I was writing too much. So I think that I'm trying to find a balance between not burning out and not being lazy, you know? Now I realize creativity is more fragile than I, I knew, you know, than I realized. And so I'm just just trying to pace myself more and listen to myself more. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by it being fragile? Can you talk more about that and how you learned that? I was writing like three to five songs, like six days a week for about six months. And was that self-imposed or? <laughs> no, it was <laughs> definitely not. No, but I was, um, <laughs> but it was great. You know, I think that of course there is definitely some merit to writing all the time, getting better. I think I've become a stronger writer, more efficient writer, but I also think that it comes with its own set of difficulties. So after a certain point, you start to burn out. And I think that it's like any skill or any job, you have to really pace yourself. Even though we like to idealize art and creativity and inspiration as something that just comes to you naturally and in any given moment, you know, you have to really like work, work it out like a muscle. And sometimes you can work it out too hard. So I think that the quarantine really enabled me to sort of find a gentler pace. Yeah. I think gentleness in all aspects of our life is never feels like the most effective solution, but often is. Yeah. You've collaborated a lot. And I'm curious if you have any tips or what you think makes a good collaboration. Being open, I sent like an openness to other people's ideas and I really enjoyed collaborating. I really like working with other people. It gives you a chance to open yourself up to other ideas and opinions. And you have to be able to let things go. You know, if you're writing with someone and they say, I don't love that, let's try something else, you have to just kind of like let it keep flowing. And that's one thing that I do. I've learned over the years and I really enjoy doing. I, I really look forward to collaborating with people because. Yeah, because of the exchange of ideas. Yeah, yeah. I think it can grow something that's out of your control and and creativity is almost meant for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Getting into good folly, even in this podcasting, you know, like even in podcasting is dorky and anyone can do it, but it can feel creative when you get into a conversation where we forget we're recording and we're people talking to each other, you know? And I think that in any sort of art, is always, you know, acting is like a really good example of that. Music is always at its best, right? Like we're meant to connect. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's very true. 
And you also find yourself trying things you wouldn't normally try if you were alone. Do you have any favorite collaborators or favorite experiences you can talk about? I really loved working on Reggie Snow's album. That was really fun. I feel like we have similar demeanors in some ways where we're both very soft-spoken. So it's just kind of like he'll give me a track that he's working on and we'll decide. I normally start by saying, especially if it's for someone else's project, what is this song about to you? Or what do you think you're going to talk about? So that, you know, when I write my part, it's not going to be something like so far um, out of his idea of what it should be. So I really appreciated his openness to my ideas. And a lot of the time we were collaborating, he was in London. So we weren't even, and this was like a digital collaboration pre-COVID, you know? So that was even cool. But yeah, I mean, half the time he wasn't even in, we weren't even in the same city. So I would just like email him or text him a bunch of melodies and then he would send it back to me with his part. And it was just like really cool to see the way that it all came together. Yeah, that has to be really fun. Like I always think about the postal service and now I think everything's kind of like that of like adding things on and moving things back and forth. And there's obviously something about being in the same room with people too. That's a different certain kind of magic, but that's just as cool or just a a different kind of connection. I was watching your videos with Lee and Meester and I read that you have been friends since middle school. Was it cool to collaborate with a friend and someone that you've known for so long? Yeah, that was really sweet. We used to play music together a lot. Uh, especially when I first, I I guess we moved to LA, like back to LA around the same time. And so we were touring together and we would just kind of like hang out and throw around cover ideas. And that was really nice to, to perform with her and to see that we had grown in similar directions musically. And she was, we did, we went to school together. So I, you know, I moved around a lot. So we went to school together in New York and she was in my sister's years. So they, they um, have remained really close over the last uh, decades, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really nice to be able to reconnect with people or to connect with people on that level. Yeah. Do you have a lot of friends that you've had since you were young? I do. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I moved so much and I do have friends kind of all over the place that I'm still close with. My one of my closest friends actually, we met when we were like five. <laughs> oh, wow. What's your greatest lesson on friendship? Everyone is on their own path. And, and it's it's important not to judge, you know, because mm-hmm. people do what they do because everyone is motivated by something different in their own experiences. And it's just important to to keep an open mind and and to love unconditionally, I guess. Yeah. This is a a pivot from friendship, but you have a holiday album coming out and I'm curious what the process was like for that. Was that something that you always wanted to do? I love I love holiday music. And um I I know I'm like even before Halloween, I was like, is it too crazy if I start listening? But I didn't start listening yet because I don't want to like, you know, overdo it. I saw a Santa yesterday in CVS, like a 
they had their Halloween candy out and it, yesterday was Halloween and for people listening and people were buying candy, but there was also, they were also putting out the Christmas things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I, I actually started getting emails from people like a couple weeks ago that would say happy holidays. And I was like, I don't, uh, I don't think. Are it's we all- including Halloween and in holidays now? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's fine by me. But like, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> Seems too soon. <laughs> Halloween needs to pass. <laughs> but um, yes, I had my friend Rohan play. Actually, my friend Rohan did the rendition I of Somewhere Over the Rainbow with my grandma as well. But I had mm-hmm. him do Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. He's an incredible guitar player. That's one song. And then the other song I wrote, I wanted to write my own holiday song and I've, I've always wanted to write a holiday song and um it's just you know how do you approach it without making it like kind of trite right so i'm like how do you make a, a holiday song that's not cheesy but anyway i wrote it last year when we were like in the heart of quarantine and it's kind of like a quarantine holiday song about wanting it's, it's about being separated from your loved ones during the holidays pretty much so that's a re-release. And then I'm adding uh, another cover to it, which I wanted to do a holiday, like a seasonal song that was maybe not necessarily exclusive to people who cel- celebrate Christmas, you know? Yeah. So I did an R&B version of California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. California Dreamin' on such a winter's day I loved that. I just listened to it. I love that. I always love that song. And it was really, really great. Thank you. Yeah. I always love that song too. It's just, yeah. The, in the lyrics too, it's, and being away from LA and yeah, the lyrics I feel like do resonate with me as a, as a native LA person. <laughs> yeah. So it was appropriate. I remember hearing that song for the first time as a kid living in Michigan and someone chose it as their song on American Idol. And this was like at the height of American Idol. And we had the CD and I would just listen to that song, the rendition from who knows who it was, some contestant on American Idol. California loved it and it's still a song i listen to like pretty frequently so i'm happy to have a new version oh thank you yeah i'm i'm happy with it too i feel like it's appropriate it's a it's such a wintry moody song it's great yeah and so timeless yeah it, it definitely is timeless Have you heard of tretinoin, spironolactone, or what about clindamycin? I may not be able to pronounce these very well, but I can tell you what they do. Tretinoin unclogs pores and even skin tone. I use that every single day. Spironolactone targets hormonal acne. Clindamycin fights acne-causing bacteria and inflammation. 
I didn't know what they were either until I got my own prescription acne treatment from Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is prescription skincare. They're a company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Our skin is also different. So all you do is you go to Apostrophe's website, you take this quiz about your skin goals and your medical history, and then you snap a few selfies of all the different angles of your face and the skin you wanna share. And then a dermatologist creates a customized treatment plan just for you. Apostrophe treats all types of acne from hormonal acne to facial acne, chest acne, back acne, butt acne. They treat breakouts from head to toe. I've been using Apostrophe for a while now and I really, really love their chutnoan, like I mentioned, as well as their sunscreen. They have this really great zinc-based sunscreen that I've been using and loving. And you know, I'm in this really sweet spot where I still have acne and I am aging with uh, wrinkles and lines and you know, it's great because the Tretinoin helps all of that and I really, really like it. It has a great unboxing experience. It comes right to my door. It's really easy and I think my skin is improving based on using it. I have a lot of discoloration and redness because I pick my skin when I'm, you know, at a low point and I have a pimple. It's really hard for me to just let it sit there. The hyperpigmentation is also being treated by my apostrophe skincare that I got from a real dermatologist tailored just for me. You just schedule an appointment. It's really, really great. So we have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash let it out when you use the code let it out. This code is only available for our listeners. So to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash let it out and click begin visit. Then use the code let it out at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only five dollars that's apostrophe a p o s t r o p h e dot com slash let it out and use the code let it out to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for five dollars and we thank apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast This episode is brought to you by Away. Away is a modern lifestyle brand that creates thoughtful products for every traveler and every kind of trip. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless. And now when travel looks more different than ever before, you can count on Away's range of suitcases, bags, and accessories whenever you take your next trip. I recently went on a small trip to visit my friend in Colorado and I had my away suitcase and it was incredible. I got the green one. It is on these four wheels that make it really easy to wheel around. It's light. I love the hard top. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And whatever your destination or your style, away suitcases, bags, and accessories come in so many colors and sizes and materials that 
I think they'll really suit you, whatever it is that you're doing. All of Away's suitcases are designed to last a lifetime with durable exteriors that can withstand even the roughest of baggage handlers and being, you know, pushed all around the world, actually. So they're really incredible. And oh, this is cool. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system that includes a built-in compression pad to help you pack in even more. I really loved that. A removable laundry bag, which is cool, that can separate your dirty clothes. You know, you don't want those to mix with the clean ones. Available in all different materials, sizes, and colors. TSA-approved combination locks to keep your belongings safe. They're really, really cool. I think you'll like them. Designed to last a lifetime is cool. And there's a 100-day trial on everything Away makes. Take the product on the road, live with it, travel with it for 100 days, and then decide if it's not for you. You can return it and, you know, on anything non-personalized and get a full refund. That's really cool no stress might as well try it away offers free shipping free returns on any order within the u.s uk europe and canada start your 100 day trial and shop the entire away lineup of travel essentials including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com slash let it out that's awaytravel.com slash let it out This episode is brought to you by Ritual. Over 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from, you know, just the food we're eating alone and not getting the intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill gaps of vitamin deficiencies in women ages 18 plus and it's formulated to help support brain health bone health blood health and provide antioxidant support Another really cool thing is that they invested in the gold standard of university-led clinical trials to prove the impact of the multivitamin. And the results were that it was shown to help increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. The clinical study was published by a leading scientific journal, and they're just really committed to testing and making a really great product with no shady stuff. Really quality ingredients and I've loved taking these vitamins. They look so chic. Ella on our team also takes them. They're incredible. And I think that you too might also enjoy taking these vitamins. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash let it out and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash let it out. Have you always liked the holidays? Like, I, I think your album might make me like, and I'm, it's so funny that we're doing this interview and I'm like really excited to listen to your album, but I'm, to be honest with you, so not into the holidays and like never really listened to Christmas music, which maybe makes me the perfect person to do this. But there's a few albums every year that I can't not, last year, Andrew Bird had a Christmas album come out that I actually really enjoyed. And so there's always like one that will get in there for me, but I'm I'm not that person that puts up Christmas 
decorations on, you know, November 1st, but yeah, I, I'm always really curious that I have so many people in my life who are like that. So what is it about this season that feels so cozy to you? Do you have holiday traditions that you love? See, I don't think you need to put holiday decorations up to enjoy the holidays. I never have a Christmas tree. I never do decorations. I I think it's really just the change of season. It's the end of the year. It's a culmination of like all of these different things where the music, I, I love the music. People tend to be a little bit warmer and it's more about community for me. During the holidays, you get to look forward to spending time with friends or family. And it's just about togetherness for me. I'm not like a I'm not like a gifts person or the holidays in the traditional sense. I just think it's more about community. And the one thing I do enjoy doing though is that growing up, my grandma always had these tins of Christmas cookies. And so I always make a bunch of them during the holidays, which, which is nice and nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Are we talking a sugar cookie variety with like a frosting? Yeah, it's so my grandma is Italian and there are these cookies called Anginetti's and it's like sugar cookies with like rainbow sprinkles. They're Whoa. so <laughs> and frosting, um, vanilla frosting. So I just make a giant batch of those. And during quarantine, I think I made so many and just drove around handing them out to people, to my friends. Mm. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, I, I really like what you said. It, you know, it's community and care. And you're right. There's now that I think about it, there is it's the culmination of a a year ending. There's something about the collective, you know, you can start fresh at any time, whether it's, you know, the middle of a random month or the beginning of a new year or your birthday, but there's something about the collective momentum behind January 1st, you know, about a fresh new year. And I think ending a cycle and I think having the coziness and the gentleness that comes with December, it's like we've all been through something and we're like letting ourselves rest a little bit collectively. And I always do look forward to those, you know, they're complex with, you know, capitalism and consumerism and travel and gifts and those the stress that can come with the holidays, but I think the holidays at their best are exactly what you described, which is this gentleness, this care, this presence where people are just like a little bit easier in their responses, even like in a work context of like, you know, have a great holiday or how, what do you do? There's just something, people are a little bit nicer and that is worth celebrating and listening to special music for (laughs) yeah i totally agree i don't know what day it is i haven the time of year how the hell am i supposed to spread holiday love listening to last year actually i listened probably a hundred times to ella fitzgerald and louis armstrong have a a holiday album together Mm. and it's just like 
it just feels so good. I don't know. It just makes me feel very good. I love and to, that. I mean, holidays are always changing, which it, they can be sad. You know, like I don't think we celebrated really celebrated Christmas for a few years after my dad passed away or, you know, family is kind of like scattered. So it is sad. And there is a sense of sometimes I feel like the holidays can be kind of lonely, but I do feel like there is this sense of hope and warmth that comes with it that I really appreciate. Yeah. I think that's really, you know, there's something about the melancholy of it that I think is actually one of the best parts to be in instead of just like a, there's something for everybody, you know, like, of course there's the really like happy tunes that are nostalgic. And then there's something about the melancholy nostalgic tunes that can bring you to a different time. And I'm so sorry to, to hear about your dad moving through grief of, of losing a parent. Was there anything that you found helpful to you? And would say to anyone who's moving through that? When my dad passed away, I I just really leaned on writing, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to express grief in words and there's nothing that can take it away. You know, it is what it is. You have to sort of come to accept it and learn how to cope with it. But I think that writing really helped me cope with it. And that's when I got really into, I was writing a lot of poetry. I started writing a lot of songs. And yeah, so I had, I, I think that focusing my energy on, on writing and music really, really helped me. Mm, yeah. I'm so sorry that, that you lost a parent and I'm, I'm glad that writing was, was cathartic. Do you journal? Is journaling a part of your process or, or catching ideas in a cathartic way? No, I don't journal too often. Songwriting is kind of my journaling. Because it is from, it is all from personal experience and it is sort of my way of processing experience and feelings. So yeah, I would say that I don't have like a traditional journal, but it's mostly my lyrics. Mm, yeah. What helps you, you know, mental health wise or physically you mentioned exercising, but do you meditate? What kind of like habits and routines ground you or when you're having a tough day, what are some things you do to pivot? I mean, exercise definitely and incorporating that into my routine. I think routine is important for mental health just in general. And, you know, if I'm having like a really hard day, sometimes I've taken walks and that's really nice. Also, I mean, of course, writing. And another thing that I found to lean into more now, more so than ever, because generally I've, I can be very like, I don't know a nice word to say this, but I tend to be, I I tend to like keep to myself and keep my feelings to myself. And I found now the older that I get, like the more important it is to talk to people. Yeah. Reach, reach out to friends when I'm feeling sad and have someone over and cook them dinner. And I think that that's definitely become very important to me is, is like cultivating a supportive community. So instead of doing what I naturally would like to do and isolate myself, I really extend myself or I try to extend myself and connect with people. 
Yeah, it's so counterintuitive. I'm similar where, you know, when I feel at my worst, I don't want to be around anyone because I feel like I won't be good company and I'm not at my best, obviously. But it's also the most effective way to get me out of that is to be around people. And there takes a level of vulnerability and trust that it's okay and to let people see us in that place rather than, you know, being sparkly or are most secure. Yeah. And people too are, they can be more supportive than you anticipate, you know, it's, and it's really nice. It's really heartwarming to see like, Oh, this person was actually there for me. It's a nice way to bond as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the only effective way for me to get out of my stuff usually is to, you know, just listen and try to help someone else. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. How do you handle the creative uncertainty of being a musician and the ups and downs? Is that something that you know you turn to your community for? No matter what the circumstances are for, you know, because being a musician is so fickle. Like some days you're you're working all the time and then others there are lulls or there are peaks and valleys pretty much. And I think that I think that maintaining a routine and being consistent is what helps me to stay sane and focused. So staying productive and focused, though I try not to stay productive in the toxic, like capitalist way where, where our value is based on how productive we're being. But I just think like if I'm writing and planning releases and, you know, as long as I'm, I'm staying involved, no matter what phase I'm in, then I think that's important. Yeah. Speaking of your routines, you know, this is a question we often ask on the show. What are your morning routines? Maybe like the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and how that affects how the rest of your day goes. The first thing I do when I wake up, I'm, I have always been like a very slow riser. My sister growing up, my sister would like, we would walk to school and I remember she would leave me sometimes because I'm just like a slow morning person. Um, (laughs) But I wake up, I have a tall glass of water and then I make my coffee and then I work out. That's usually, that's how most of my mornings work. And then do you mostly, you know, get into work, like get into writing or like start making music at that time or? Yeah, it just depends on what the rest of the day holds. Like I'll, I'll definitely start with emails before I get into music. I'm more, I'm most creative, like in the afternoon. So I don't generally make music in the morning. Yeah. Like getting organized. Yeah. One of my writing teachers told me that the day before she really works on an essay, she'll spend the whole day cleaning and getting through all of her emails and making space. And then, you know, I kind of, I'm similar, you know, during the morning, I have to do a lot of things before I can even be present with something creative. Yeah. What about in the evenings? How do you spend your evenings? How do you wind down? What are some of your evening routines? My evening routines, I started doing my skincare routine in the evening because I was doing it in the morning and I felt like it was just too slow. Like the day was starting too slow, you know? So it's a nice way to sort of wind down. And I usually will listen to music and cook something. And I sometimes get 
hooked on shows, but I'm more of a, I'll just listen to music for the most part. I don't watch that much TV. What have you been listening to lately? What are you into or anything you can recommend? I think the last couple of weeks, Joy Crooks put out an album and I have been, I love it. I know I've, I've also been listening to, I don't want to say her name incorrectly, Sasha Alex Sloan. Her album, I, I love her writing and her, I don't know, the, it's just so relaxing and, and beautiful and her lyrics are so poignant. I've been listening to her a lot as well. When you listen to music, I'm so curious, do you mostly enjoy it or are you, I mean, <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> I often ask actors this, like, can you watch something without thinking about the craft or thinking about how it's made or how you would do it or being inspired when, you, when you're listening to music? Are you able to uncouple that? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, how I listen to music is very manic. I will find a song that I like and listen to it over and over and over again. And I, I do that too. I, <laughs> I think about it sometimes because I'm like, I should pace myself because, you know, in a few weeks from now, I'm going to be you ruin so, it. Totally. Yeah, I'll be so sick of this song. But right now, the two songs I've been listening to on repeat are Sasha Alex Sloan's Hypochondriac and Kingdom by Joy Crooks. I do think a lot about how the song is made when I listen to music, but I do still get joy, joy from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do. I was actually talking about this with one of my friends that I read an article, I forget where, and it just said that we feel the most joy from music that we listened to when we were kids or teens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. And that feels true for me. Yeah. So... I do feel like music is definitely like listening to music now is definitely a a different experience, but yeah, I do feel really, really happy when I'm listening to like Feist or Fiona. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I do analyze a lot how a song is made or, or the lyrics or a melody, but it, it is still like really it's not really judge judgmental. It's kind of like, oh, this is how they did it. Like maybe mm-hmm. I try that, or maybe you know, it's nice to hear other things other people have created because yeah, it just it it is a nice source of inspiration. Yeah, yeah, that is so funny that I think I've read that article too, or talked about that article at least. Of I think whatever it is that you listen to a lot when you're a teenager, there's some sort of study that that will always be something you gravitate towards. And that's fully true for me. Like there's nothing better than, you know, listening to those songs, driving around. Like it's always what I turn on when I'm sleepy on a road trip and like need to stay awake. Like you just want to listen to something that is cozy or there's nothing better than like being in like a grocery store and a song comes on that you haven't heard forever, but you know, every word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes you sing a song that you know every word to and you're like, oh, that's what they meant. What? Man, I was just I like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I'm sure in your case, you're like, and that's how they did that. Weird. That's such a, I wouldn't have known that then. Or yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. What's present for you today? What have you been learning or contemplating? What's been on your mind in the last day or week or month? I have created a bunch of music that I'm looking forward to putting out. And I'm also thinking of just different ways 
positive ways to spend my my energy and time that will bring me joy, I guess. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about and and trying to figure out because of course my life is music, but I feel like at this juncture I need something that's I don't know, just another another way to spend my time so that I'm not too I can be very one track minded mm-hmm. about things and I feel like I should expand my joy, I guess, where I derive joy from. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> and sounds really I, healthy. I, yeah, and I think part I think part of that is realizing for me that valuing a community more is something I should prioritize because especially because I moved so often, I was used to people coming and going. And that's Mm. sort of where I, I've always leaned on music and writing because it was just the constant in my life. And I just think that finding my community and being a supportive part in it is something that I've been trying to focus on and spend my energy in a positive way with, with people who make me feel loved and supported. I'm really happy that you're doing that. I think there's nothing better than, and there's not a better place to focus, you know? And I think it's so, I, I relate to you and feeling that way. And I, when I lived in New York, I feel like I was so focused on work and one or two particular relationships that I didn't really have that. And when I moved here, really 2020 was like a year I really invested in people. And I think my projects probably suffered for it. And I think when you're investing in one thing, you're taking a little bit from other things. But it was a really worthwhile investment for me and has brought so much richness that I could never have expected investing in friendship and community. And like you said, being a part of something. And and I think as we get older, I, I was just talking to my friend Stella about this this weekend, but we were like, having a glass of wine and laughing of like, I feel like the one thing I do well right now is friend, like is, you know, meeting girlfriends. And that's something that of all the, if I had to choose one thing, I I think I would choose that. I think there's so much richness in cultivating that and, and developing that and, and focusing on that. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's def it's, you know, I hate to say this cliche, but <laughs> life is so short, you know, and at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's like, what is it that we have, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, material possessions, I feel like they're not, I try not to put too much power in material society that we live in, even though yes, I work hard, and I'm happy that I'm able to have the career that I have, and I'm able to write music, because that makes me happy, and I'm able to do it for work, you know, but I think that at the end of the day, we need, we are social beings and, and we need community. And I'm, I probably sounds crazy that I'm like having this epiphany now, but I've I've spent so much, I spend so much time just like working because I love it so much, but then I'm like, oh, you know, it would be nice to have someone to celebrate it with, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think that's actually really beautiful. I I had this really tough breakup a couple of years ago and I realized that so much of it was where I was prioritizing and and similar. I mean, it's this was like two seconds ago, basically, <laughs> but I was, you know, prioritizing work in this way that I, you know, I think our society glorifies and definitely was modeled for me growing up. And I remember 
my mom left me this voicemail, which is like pretty uncharacteristic for her to leave voicemails in general and to like talk in this sort of a way. But I remember where I was, it was like raining and I listened to it in New York and she, she said this thing and she was crying. Cause I think she knew like, I was just so, you know, like only a good breakup can do. I was like so depressed. And she was like, you know, I learned this lesson and I didn't learn it soon enough, but the work will always be there. The people might not. And it was one of those things that's like, even though it's true, doesn't make it less annoying in that moment of like, it really hit me. And, you know, I I haven't been, you know, it hasn't been a linear route to that, but it's something that's kept guiding me. Yeah, that's really, that is really true and thoughtful. But also too, as an artist, it's like when you get work, you have to take it. It's sort of like this weird, totally. you know, yeah. but yeah, I do. I definitely, I'm going to focus on, on giving more time to people that I care about. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I've even overcorrected a little bit where it's similarly feeling like, all right, now I need to have better boundaries and now I need to like be able to focus on my work more. Because like you said, you know, we do like a live in a world where we have to support ourselves and we live within capitalism and we need to make money and we need to, and then also like loving work and art and wanting to take opportunities and grow. And so I'm having to like come back to center being an extremist in both ways. Like I went so far into work and then so far into people. And I'm like, all right, I need to navigate being able to somehow do both, which I think is the most challenging. (laughs) Yeah, it is. The balance is always like the biggest challenge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like we're similar of like being people who go all in with something. Yeah, definitely. I do. I I really, really do go all in. And it's, it's good, you know, but it's also like, sometimes you have to come up for air and be like, oh, wait, no, I have to like, also take care of my mental health and have a community of people that I can lean on when I need them and vice versa. So that's been really nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I heard you define love as acceptance and accepting another person for who they are and accepting yourself for who you are. Is that still how you would define love or has that evolved? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I do think that like, acceptance is a process and you have to constantly accept certain things I and you have to accept yourself in order to accept anyone else you know so yeah it's just a process of and something to work on something that I'm working on obviously regularly but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah same I think it's like that's the process until we die <laughs> <laughs> what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week Ooh, okay. I am. I love Trader Joe's snacks, and they have Trader Joe's has this coconut-based coffee ice cream with boba in it. Oh my god, that sounds I incredible! Know. That's like a lot of things <laughs> in one <laughs> pint. <laughs> I, yeah, I just finished the. I finished the pint last night. Actually, it's. I love how chewy it is. <laughs> wow, that sounds incredible. Do you have anything you do when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed that calms you down? I think exercise, listening to music, I write. Um, The other day, my friend sent me a guided meditation that was like really, really helpful and really relaxed me. So I think anything that you can like go, like go outside of your, 
your own head and focus on that brings joy is is important. Mm, I love that. What's your greatest lesson on creativity? I would just say to be gentle on yourself and not to not to be so hard on yourself. You know, it's creativity can be enhanced and worked on, but ultimately you just have to accept. Greatest lesson on change. Change is uncomfortable, but you just have to be patient. Mm, yeah. Greatest lesson on family. Similar answer, just be patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my family's so small and I'm I'm feel I'm like very close with it's my mom, my sister, and I. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just think uh, again, like acceptance, no judgment, and patience. I love that. What about greatest lesson on spirituality or what happens when we die? Is there anything that you think about within that? I don't know. I think that everything is just energy and it keeps like, I feel like energy just continues to evolve. That's Mm. kind of my philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel similarly. So the name of the show is Let It Out. So when I offer that to you, is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about anything else that you want to recommend, whether it's like a book or a movie or a place or idea. <laughs> Having a nice walk, you know, if you can, if you live in a place where it that's conducive to like going on a walk, I think that taking a break from our work and our computers and whatever it is that we're obligated to do, walking, just walking around can be really, really relaxing. Weirdly, that's my favorite answer I've gotten on this show. I've done about a million of these because you don't know me, but I, all of my friends know this, like I am always walking. Like when I moved to LA, like everyone in the neighborhood knows I'm just, I spend most of the day walking. I go on like a weirdly long morning walk with my coffee and I'm, I will like edit the podcast while I'm walking or talk to people. And I find it so lovely as well. So I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really nice. Also too, like I spent most of the winter back East, just like walking through the woods pretty much, which now in retrospect, I'm like, that was kind of crazy. It was like 10 degrees out and like, no, no one was around. And my sister asked me, um, what's there to do during the holidays on Martha's Vineyard? And I was like, you go like walk. And she was like, but it's so cold. I'm like, yeah, but you just get a parka and a hat and then you go for a walk. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. What's that saying? That's like, there's no bad weather, only not being dressed properly or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really, really a nice way to sort of like regroup and center. Yeah, totally. That's how I felt about New York. It was like, you have to be out in it. You have, you're forced to be in it instead of just getting in your car, go, you know, and I, yeah, I find that really, that helped get through the winter actually. Yeah, I I can see that. (laughs) Thank you again for doing this. And everyone will check out your holiday album. We end with taking a deep breath together. So letting it out. Are you down? Yes, I am. Okay. Inhale. Let it out. (sighs) Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for being here. That's my conversation with Dana Williams. I hope that you 
enjoyed it. If you did, share it with a friend. Let me know. Let Dana know. Follow us on social media and send us a message or comment to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. And if you want to support this podcast, share this with a friend. We put out an email newsletter every week called the Let It Out Letter. So if you want to get show notes and information about me and my work and a short essay every week, the link to sign up for the Let It Out Letter will be in the show notes. And follow us on Instagram. Let It Out has an Instagram. It's just at Let It Out with three T's. You can also follow me. I'm is my name, Katie Dalebout. And again, just a quick reminder, if you want to do the right kit or any of our kits, actually, they're all available, but the right kit is 50% off for the next week. So again, I have found journaling to be my greatest tool for developing self-awareness. And this kit guides you to mine your experiences for gems, both personal growth and creative expression wise. So if you struggle with sticking to a routine or you feel stuck in your current practice of journaling, this will support you with a sense of community around writing and it will give you habits and routines and help you to create a daily practice and take the indecision out of what to write about by giving you over 30 prompts and it will help increase self-honesty. I find with writing, I'm always asking myself to find the truth, find the truth. And it's made my therapy deeper. It's made my connections with other people deeper. And like I said, there's advice from professional writers around freelance writing, pitching, publishing, options for sharing your work and I would love if you checked it out. The link's in the show notes. The code is November. And I'm going to read this testimonial from someone who participated in the Write Kit and sent me this note. So I'm going to read it out loud. The Write Kit is just, well, amazing. I can't believe how comprehensive it is. There's literally an option for any situation in my life, and I've probably only used a small percentage so far. I'm glad I signed up for it. It's probably a resource I'll keep going over for the next few decades. Applying the tips is a lot of deep work, but the rewards have been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That's such a nice message. I'll read one more. This one's from Maria. I love journaling, but it can sometimes be hard to get started on my own. Katie's guidance has been so helpful to me in the moments when I know I want to write, but I'm not sure where to begin. Cool. All right. Well, if you have any questions on that, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at let it out or email me. My name is, my email is Katie at let it out with three T's. And I would love to talk to you any of those places. So One last thing, our other podcast, my mental health show, Spiraling, that I co-host with Serena Wolf about anxiety is currently in season and we are releasing episodes week by week. We just put one out this week that was about guilt, shame, and embarrassment. So if you want to hear us talk about that and around anxiety from that perspective, and somehow it's funny. (laughs) Serena's hilarious. So give that show a listen if that's something that interests you. If not, I'll see you back here next week. So next week's episode is a guest who has actually been on before. It was a live episode that we did in New York. Maybe some of you were there. It was the first live episode of Let It Out we've ever done at a coffee shop called The End in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. And it's Maddie Murphy. She owned that coffee shop And now she runs a website and newsletter called 
Cosmic Rx, and she's an astrologer. She's incredible. And so she actually had me on her podcast, which you can listen to today, actually, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. I am the guest on the Cosmic Rx show, so you can listen to her do my chart if you're curious about that. And then she comes on Let It Out next week, and we talk more about astrology and how she pivoted careers. And it's a really, really fun episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. As always, dive into the archives if you, you know, want to have more of Let It Out between episodes. There are close to 400 of them now. We've been doing this for a while. Thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you next week. The emoji for this week's episode is the Christmas tree. Why not? So if you've listened all the way to the end, comment that on Let It Out's Instagram, on my Instagram, on Dana's Instagram to let us know in a little secret code that you finish this show. <laughs>